Hi, this is Dan. I just wanted to take a minute to thank those of you who've been listening to our podcast. This is the fifth episode, and we've worked very hard to produce every one of these. So a sincere thank you to everyone who has responded, provided feedback, and even some constructive criticism. We really appreciate it. Please subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. Rate and review. It actually really helps. On a personal level, producing these episodes has become a passion for me. Each case, I find myself really immersed in these stories, learning about these victims, their families, these complicated and exhaustive investigations. Uh, personally, I've been reporting in the news business for about 15 years. Covering crimes is an unavoidable, if not expected, part of the job. But nothing can really prepare you for the first time you have to call the mother of someone who's just been killed or knock on the door of a suspect's family member. There's, I mean, there's nothing that can prepare you for that. No college course, no master's degree, nothing like that. You just have to get out there. You have to do it. You have to see how you can handle it and see how you can figure out a way to talk to some of those folks and talk compassionately. I could always feel like a certain distance from those crimes, like if you cover a murder, a trial, you show up at a crime scene, you have to just like imagine what it must be like to be one of those families who lost a loved one. But you know, how can you actually know what they're feeling as you try to interview them about someone who they just lost? Up until four years ago, I could never really understand what a parent must be dealing with until I became one, my daughter, who was born four years ago. My wife and I have three kids now, and it amazes me every day how much of myself is invested in them, how many of my waking hours is dedicated to trying to make their little lives better. And then there are the special moments, the first time you make a funny face and they smile back at you. It's, I mean, it's amazing. The first time they figure out how to tell their own little joke. Like, how do they figure out how to do that? Also amazing. It's all those little impossible-to-document moments. The first time she walks into her ballet class, her cute little dress. The first time my son kicked a soccer ball and I could tell he liked it. The first time my son walked up to another kid who was crying and tried to calm that little boy down because, I mean, I don't know, maybe my son is going to be that kind of genuinely nice guy. It's every one of these moments, all day, every day, that you live with that makes you feel like a whole human being. That for, I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to use this cliche, that fills your own heart, gives you purpose, gives your own life order and meaning. So now when I cover these crimes where people are killed, especially children, I mean, it just has a different meaning. I used to say these crimes are unimaginable, but they aren't. It's not unimaginable. It's worse than that. It's like part of you is lost, forever stolen. In an instant, part of you dies. This is never-ending pain. This is a daily reality for Phil Vetrano. His daughter Karina was killed in the summer of 2016. This is our fifth episode, and it's about one man's mission to help families who know his pain. I'm Dan Bowens, and you are listening to The Tape Room, a podcast here at Fox 5, part of the Fox 5 network of podcasts. Here we take a look back at some of the tri-state area's infamous and unsolved crimes. Today, a slightly different approach. In Karina's case, police have already arrested who they believe to be the killer. I know there are families out there that lost loved ones, that there's no closure. They don't know who did it. And they wake up every morning 
wondering what happened to their child. How did this happen? Who did this to them? For Phil Vetrano, good days are hard to come by. Mostly every other day is a bad day. Yeah, I wake up and my daughter's not here. And that's never going to change. So that's a bad day. His daughter, Karina Vetrano, was a stunningly beautiful 30-year-old woman from Howard Beach. Howard Beach is an upper-middle-class neighborhood in the southwest corner of Queens. In early August of 2016, Karina went running in Spring Creek Park. That's a few blocks from the family's home. Her father, who normally ran with her, had to stay home because of a back injury. Hours later, when she didn't come home, no phone calls, no texts, Phil Vetrano, a former member of the FDNY, told an NYPD police chief who happened to be his neighbor. That neighbor called 911, and they started searching. By 11 that night, Phil found his daughter's body just off that jogging path. She'd been beaten, raped, and strangled. It's totally devastating. You know, it takes away all your reason for living. It does. The waning days of summer turn to the early days of fall. Then winter comes, but still no arrests. It's been six months and the murder of 30-year-old Karina Vetrano remains unsolved. My daughter, barely 100 pounds, fought her last moments alive, was fighting this evil savage. Vetrano's parents have not stopped looking for their daughter's killer. That's Fox 5 reporter Jessica Formoso at a news conference where the Vetrano family is making a direct plea to the public for help, while also lobbying lawmakers to consider something called familial DNA searches. On August 2nd, Karina Vetrano was raped and murdered when she went for a run in Spring Creek Park. Her father found her body. I will stop at nothing, nothing, until we have this implemented in the state of New York. A method to broaden the DNA database to include close family members who may already be in the system, close family members of the suspect who may have already been arrested on other crimes, rather than exact matches to track a killer. So how does familial DNA work? Very simply, if the, the perpetrator, the killer, the murderer, that took my daughter's life, had a, a father, a son, a brother that was a criminal and that was incarcerated and whose DNA was on file, but he was never arrested. This would have come up as a partial match, and not even partial, almost an exact match, like 17 alleles out of, out of 23. So it's pretty damn close. So it only targets very close family members. Of course, it comes with obvious privacy concerns. Familial DNA testing is used in 10 states. Critics of the method say it's a privacy issue. Opposing it, the ACLU. 
With the Vetrano case in the headlines and her grieving parents on the airwaves, a state commission was appointed in New York to study the possibility of using the method. Then, in February of 2017, a break in the case. Police said they'd found the killer. This is Fox 5 reporter Lisa Evers. Chanel, why'd you do it? Why'd you kill her? This is 20-year-old Chanel Lewis of East New York. He's now charged with the murder of jogger Karina Vetrano. Police sources tell me he was on their suspect shortlist. Detectives say they'd matched Chanel Lewis's DNA to some found at the scene, so the familial technique wouldn't have been needed. But the Vetranos still push to legalize the method, hoping to help other families of cold case victims. Again, this is Phil Vetrano. At that point, when I started campaigning for this, we didn't find Karina's killer yet. And I thought familiar DNA would help. But in hindsight, it wouldn't have, mm -hmm. because nobody in his family was in the database. But I was, there would, I would leave no stone unturned. It sort of opened your eyes to this possibility that you, that you didn't know was out there. Exactly. And that made it so that you wanted to, it, it's almost like it gave you, a, gave you a little calling or gave you a, like a, a reason, right? I it, mean, a reason to sort of say, you know me, what, this is going to be something. It gave me a mission. I needed something to do. I, I still need something to do. I need to do something to, to help other people in my position. I, I know they need me and I'm willing to help them. And now he will get that chance to help. Remember, in the beginning of this episode, we told you for Phil Vetrano, good days are hard to come by. Well, when we spoke to him sitting on the stoop of his house just around the corner from the park where his daughter was killed, it was one of those good days. Nine months after he and his wife started pushing for it, New York State had just made familial DNA testing available for law enforcement. We spoke to him the day it actually went into effect. Even though this didn't lead to the charges in, in your case, yes. it could for some other family. Many, many, many. There's at least 200 cold cases uh, over the history past recent history of New York that could be solved using this technique. It's basically the next step above fingerprints. That's all it is. And fingerprints have been in use in law enforcement since 1898. So it's been a long time since a new tool has been given to law enforcement. And this is a great tool. You feel that because there's something you feel like you have to accomplish? Because there's so much more in life than working and making money. You know, your family means everything. And I want to help. I want to help people. I want to help criminals be caught. I want to put criminals in jail where they belong. And now he's hoping one day it will be known as Karina's Law. The Tape Room is part of the Fox 5 Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dan Bowens. This episode was recorded, edited, and mixed by Matt Onimus. Our executive producers are myself, Matt Onimus, and Ahmad Asgar. 
Byron Harmon is vice president of Fox 5 News and Lou Leone is vice president and general manager. If you have any information regarding this crime, you are encouraged to call Crime Stoppers 1-800-577-TIPS, 1-800-577-TIPS. Stay tuned for the next episode of The Tape Room.